My name is Jim. It's my honor and pleasure to be one of the pastors here. And I, I'm just glad that we get to be together today. I'm glad you're here. I thank God that I get to worship with you. If you are a guest with us, I want you to know that uh, we want this to be a place that feels like home for you. And that I believe and I trust that God has called you here and God will meet you here in one way or the other. And so I'm glad you're here. Uh, I have something on my mind that I really just want to talk about this morning. It's a moment. It's a moment that you might experience many times, but it's, it's a moment nonetheless. It's that moment that you go from knowing about something to going, huh, I see it. I know it. That's it. Aha. It's that moment where it might be like this, where you're listening to the, the best album from your favorite band or the song comes on the radio or your Spotify playlist, and there's that moment that you've got tickets finally to go see them in person and you're sitting in whatever row you can afford and they come on stage and you go, huh, wow, I see it. Maybe it's like the moment where you've read about something beautiful like the Grand Canyon or the Northern Lights, or like when you've read the Declaration of Independence or the U.S. Constitution for the first time, but then you go and you see it, and you say, huh, wow, that is something. It's like the moment where maybe you, someone in your family is preparing to have a baby and you've got the picture of the ultrasound in your hand and you, you go, gosh, goodness, there's the little toes, I can see them. And then the baby is born and you, you hold the baby and you say, wow, huh, I see it. It's the difference, it's that moment where you, you go from knowing about something to witnessing it. That aha, that epiphany moment that, that just takes your breath away and changes everything. And that's the moment that I just can't get my mind off of. From when we've heard about Jesus, who he is and what he can do in that moment where we say, huh, wow, I see him. An epiphany. That's a powerful moment, and, and today I want to call us, for those who have experienced Jesus before, to remember that moment when you saw, so that we can invite other people to see Jesus. Now, this is the season in the life of the church called Epiphany, where after Christmas we follow the stories of Jesus' life in the Bible where he reveals his glory and, and wonderful stories like when the Magi come to see him and he is revealed to the people of the world or when he does a miracle at the wedding of Cana and his power is revealed or like today when we go to the beginning of the gospel and John the Baptist points out Jesus that others may see him. So we're beginning today a series that'll go for a couple of weeks. It's called Behold, Helping People See Jesus. And my goal, my hope for us, is as we meditate on the life of Jesus for a few weeks, that we'll also spend time learning really practical ways that you and I can help real people see Jesus. 
practical ways that don't scare the mess out of us, make us feel like we've got to be Billy Graham or hold up signs. There's some cool folks who hold up signs here in town. I praise God for them. Um, But ways that we can help people to see the Lord. So they can have that moment with Jesus where they say, wow, huh, I see. Today I'm fixated on this moment from the beginning of the Gospel of John. I want to read to you our scripture passage for today. It's going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 29. I've done this really crazy thing where, I, where we wrote in the bulletin that we're going to read through verse 34, but we're going to play it fast and loose, and we're going to go all the way uh, through 39. Can you believe that? Can you believe how reckless we're being over here today? If you say nothing else about your pastor, you're like, wow, that guy can take a risk. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to the word of the Lord. John chapter 1, we'll be reading through verse 29 through 39. And this begins with John the Baptist. So it'll say the next day he saw Jesus, and that will be John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, for he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend like a dove from heaven, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. And the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked as Jesus walked, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us a word that we might live. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I can't get over the moment, this line in the beginning of the gospel. Whenever something's repeated in the gospel, the nerdy literary part of me goes, Ooh, I found something important. Behold, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Look at this guy. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is so fascinating. If you've read through the Gospel of John at all, you know that we've had a really beautiful prologue, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. It's really cool. And the first real, uh, the first real people that do real action in the stories is John the Baptist. Not Jesus, not yet. And he comes to... Uh, really awaken the world to a yearning and a need that all people have. 
a need to be in union with God, a need to be free from the guilt of the this, this, this sin in their life. And that includes the things they have done and also just the state that we as fallen human beings are born into. He's come wearing crazy clothes, camel's hair and, and all this stuff, eating locusts and wild honey, which is like, I think I said this last week, it's like the best version of paleo you can find. And he comes on the scene and he just calls people into the desert to repent of their sins. Gosh, that's an attractive message, isn't it? It's like the Tony Robbins of self-fulfillment, I guess. No, people want to repent of their sins and be baptized for the repentance of their sin in the Jordan River. People flock from all over because there is a yearning in people. Even way back then, the same yearning today, a longing for something big, something bigger than ourselves, something that we can never build or achieve or manufacture, something to set us free from the gunk and the barnacles of life that we collect through our actions and the actions of others. John calls the people of Israel to repent and be baptized for their repentance in the Jordan River. And people are coming. And then one day, they're gathered together with people the first time, and Jesus for the first time comes on the scene, and before he says a word, before he does anything, I'm looking for Jesus to tell me some like pithy, memorable saying so that my day can be richer and I can learn something. Come on, Jesus, let's hurry up and get to the good stuff. He's going to heal some folks soon. Come on, Jesus, say something good. That's what we pay you for. Come on, Jesus. But before he does anything, before, as he's barely walking into the frame of the film that you're watching, John the Baptist points and says, that unknown man right there that some of you have seen and nobody knows who it is, I want you to look at him. Behold, that is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I am stuck on this line because I don't know about you. I just want to get to the action. I fast forward through like on Star Wars, the crawling credits. I'm like, come on, lightsabers, please. Let's get to the action. But don't do that yet in the Gospel of John. Because before anything happens, God has already done it. And onto this, the film walks the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And all you have to do to start with is let's just look at him. John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that's a, let's be honest, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Like one, we don't say behold very often anymore. Um, I read from the 19, early 1900s Revised Standard Version today just so I could say the word behold in church. And listen, if you're calling somebody a lamb, you've got to wonder what in the world's going on there. It's my little lamb. You might say it as a, something to, on your sweetheart tarts coming up in Valentine's Day. But you say, that's not a lamb, that's a, that's a, that's a human being, that's a guy who takes away the sin of the world. There's a lot going on in that interesting, weird term that John says about Jesus who is coming, but it is filled with vital importance. Now, we might not talk about lambs very much today unless you're getting a lamb chop or if you're watching a children's show from the 1990s, but in the time in which Jesus was alive, 
it was a very agrarian society and livestock of all kinds, sheep and goats and lambs were at the center of everything, including and especially religious life. And so what I want to take just a minute to do is I just want to highlight for you and me why it is so beautiful that we're pointed to Jesus who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because my, goal, my simple goal today, all I want to do today is, is, is if possible, with my feeble, meager words, that the Spirit of God can help you have that moment one more time today where, where you see Jesus and you say, huh, wow, yes. The Lamb was significant, and when John calls Jesus the Lamb of God, one of the major things that he's calling into everybody's mind is the Passover Lamb of the book of Exodus which the Passover standing at the center of the Israelite and Jewish identity even to this day. Do you all remember this story? If you're reading through the Bible with us, you're coming close or have already come into Exodus 12. Remember the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt and God called Moses to come and set the people free. And so uh, as Moses comes to free the people from bondage to slavery uh, and send them over to the promised land. God is working through the Egyptian government and Pharaoh, and God sends plagues, and Pharaoh's like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't care. You can turn my water to blood and rain frogs everywhere. I'm not letting these people go. So God hardens his heart and really shows his power and might and his love for his people, and he comes to uh, the final of the plagues, which is as drastic as could be, that one night the angel would pass over and all of the firstborn of the flocks and the families would be taken and killed in Egypt. But he tells the the people of Israel in Exodus 10, 11, 12, and forward that if they would do this, if they would take from among their flock a one-year-old, spotless, without blemish lamb, And if they would make that the sacrifice, if they would sacrifice that lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the lintels of their doorposts, that on the night in which the angel comes and the plague is executed, that the angel would literally pass over their home and their firstborn would be spared. And so you have this story of how a lamb takes on the power and the injustice and the difficulty of sin and death, and by its death, the people live. Y'all following with this? That's pretty simple, right? And God tells the people of Israel after they are set free and on their way to the promised land that you will remember this act over and over and over. And as you get into the giving of the law, when Moses commands the people how they will be set free from their sin, that that they would continually be sacrificing an animal, a goat, a sheep, a cattle, something that would either purify them or bear the sins of the people. There was what we call the Day of Atonement that you can read in Leviticus, where every year the priests would get together. Imagine this party. They'd get together and they'd have two goats, and they'd slaughter one as an atonement sacrifice, and then the other one, this is, this is pretty cool, the priest would put its hands on the other goat and would just confess all of the sins of the people. Uh, you never heard what Johnny did. Goat, I'm telling you what Johnny did. Johnny was real bad, but so was I. I'm tell- and they would take this goat and they would just send it off. 
that it would literally, with the sins of the people on its head, would be sent off and the sins would be carried away. That's where we get the term scapegoat. There's your lesson for the day. You are welcome. There's always a sacrifice. There's always a lamb. There's always a sacrifice because we are in constant need of something that will unite us with God. There, there is death in the world and something seems to have to die for life to come. How many lambs throughout history slaughtered for the sake of the forgiveness of people and the unification of people and, and for people to be set free from all powers of sin and death? How many lambs? Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just let me give you another scripture allusion. This image comes from Isaiah, the prophet. There's this famous passage. We call it the Song of the Suffering Servant, just as a way of describing it. And it echoes the Passover story. Isaiah prophesies, he tells of a servant of God who will suffer, who will be led, quote, like a lamb to the slaughter, and his life and death will be the offering for sin. Jesus is the Lamb of God, carried off like a lamb to slaughter, to bear the sin and the curse for his people, that they might live. Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and, and your favorite book, Revelation, just one more, one more. When, when John has this vision of heaven, and you think Jesus is the king, right? Do you know what he sees on the throne? He sees a lamb as if it was slain, victorious and alive, sitting on the throne. There's always been a lamb of some kind because there's always been sin. And from the very beginning, people have struggled under its weight. And look, I'm not just talking about moralism, like the things you have done wrong. I'm absolutely talking about that, but I'm not talking about only that. Do you realize that we are born into a fallen world and we are essentially born into a separation from God? It's like sin is the disease and the sins we commit are the symptoms, are the things that we act out of this disease. And there's always been a longing. There's always been a need to be fulfilled. There's always been people who have suffered by what they have done and by what others have done to them. There are always people who are carrying guilt. May it be even small pieces that have coalesced over the course of a lifetime. And there are always people who are sitting under the large boulder of a choice that someone else made. And people have always wanted to be free from that. And there's a longing in you and me, not just to be forgiven, not just to be free. If that doesn't strike your fancy, if you can think of nothing that you are carrying around that you felt guilty for for any part in your life, good for you. But what about why you're here? What about the longing, the desire for something more that you just can't seem to achieve? There's always been a lamb because there's always been that need. And Jesus, barely in the frame, hasn't even done a thing yet, expresses the merciful work of God that was done before you even noticed it. John says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one 
who has come to answer the issue, to come and heal the heart, to come and bridge the gap, not over and over and over, but once for all, God made flesh the Son of God who would take on all of the broken, all of the dirty, all of the sin, all of the darkness, and even death itself, that you and I might live Before anything even happens, God is inviting you to a work that you can never achieve on your own, to a freedom that you can never secure on your own. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I just, I want you to see that. Have you seen it in your life? I want you to see it again. We have so much visual noise in our life, so much lack of attention that that we might pay attention to a thing for the time it occurs and move on and forget that it even happened. Forget what it was like. But I want you to see it. I want you to have that moment that, ah, yes, that has become real for me. This Jesus that I've heard about in church or in the community or through my family or whatever. Yes, I know I can check the box. He forgives our sins. Yes, that's fantastic. But I want you to see it. I want you to have the epiphany or to remember that it is real because Jesus has come that you might live. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I want you to hear it today you people of God. And I want you to really hear it. All I want, all I want today is that you would see and remember or see for the first time Not just that there is the idea of a person named Jesus who came to forgive sins. Not just that it is written in a book that you believe or it's a doctrinal statement that you attest to or it's something that these people around here believe and you just came for the music. I want you to know it. By the power of the Spirit, let our fingers point and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because here we are. And we need an epiphany. And I think that there are a lot of people, I think there are a lot of people who struggle to, 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 to believe it in the depth of their heart. One, that, that this thing that has happened is true for me. That maybe one day when you were young and you came to Jesus, if that was the story for you, that you believe he could have forgiven you then, but my goodness, the things that I have seen and done and weigh on me today, those are grown-up things and I don't know that it's possible to be set free from that. Or, or that you would say, yes, I do believe. I can attest and assent with all of my logical faculties that Jesus forgives sin, but somehow you're still holding back in the unconscious part of your heart to say, and I wish it would happen on this one. That you say, yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, but you still don't know why you have to keep striving and the fulfillment that you seek is is missing again. I just want you to see it, to hear it, to know. And so I pray right now, this this is what I want for you. I'm praying that in this overly long, meager sermon that the Spirit of God would just remind you of what the eyes of your heart have seen. That Jesus has come 
the Lamb of God to take away your sin and that thing that you are imagining and that longing that you can't shake, we are talking about that thing. May the Spirit of God make it real to you in this moment. That you might say, oh, ah, yes, that's what it is. So I just want to invite you for just a moment to consider and lift up before the Lord. What is, what is the sin of your heart? The thing that you have done, the thing you're holding on to, but also the consequences of someone else's actions that are weighing heavy upon you, but also that deep longing that you can't seem to have fulfilled. What is that for you? And I want you to hold it and lift it up before the Lord. Remember your sin and your pain and your unfulfilled longings, your fear and your mortality, and I want you to listen to the words of John the Baptist that are made real and alive in this moment through the power of the Spirit. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Don't push past it. Let it like let it like water seep into the crack of the place that you never go. Resist the urge to only half believe that it is true as you hear these words that we say so often. My friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to see it because God is sending us out into this community to help others to see it. I want you to remember the epiphany or to have it fresh today so that when you go out into the world, it's not something that you have to do or something that you should do. It's something that you long to do because once you see it, you just have to show it. I'm reminded of this little song that I pray over us. You'll have to forgive me and people online. You can turn off the sound if you'd like. You probably know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You can sing it. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes on Jesus and may you see him. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus and I have no idea, but I pray that your Holy Spirit has helped somebody here to see, to remember, to see for the first time the power and the reality and the beauty of your son Jesus who comes to take away the sin of the world. Minister to us in these moments as we sit with your spirit, as we sing and as we worship you and help us to truly see and have an epiphany of your glory that is real for our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.